going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Happy Wednesday or snow day or snowmageddon or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Whenever a snowflake falls in the ground, you know what's going to happen out on the roads. Well, then everyone loses their minds. Yeah, that's about all it is, isn't it? It was amazing. Uh, driving in at 11 o'clock this morning, thinking, oh, it's not that bad. I mean, there's a couple of snowflakes. It's whatever. And going uh, approaching Memorial Drive, going south, and it's like everyone forgot how to merge. <laughs> so, that being said, you heard the traffic report there. You're going to hear it throughout the course of the afternoon. Take her slow. It's winter again. We've been through this for the 80 gazillionth time. Slow her down a little. Take your time. Maybe leave the office a little early if you need to. Get everybody home safe. That's the key at the end of the day. I don't want to hear any bad crashes. I don't want to have to interrupt this program through the course of the afternoon to hear about some sort of major road closure because somebody was being an idiot. On the flip side, if you don't feel safe in this kind of weather and you don't need to go somewhere, just stay home. I I do this every time, and I I don't want to go on a tangent. I won't. All I want to say is, if you're doing 40 in the fast lane on Deerfoot, you might want to stay home. Stop it. All right, rant over. Coming up on the show today, uh, waste collection here in our city. Garbage is what they've been talking about down at City Hall and not the usual garbage that we think about Insert joke about in-camera meetings here. Uh, Ward Sutherland, the uh, committee head for that particular area, will join us after 4 o'clock as well to discuss what exactly was uh, took place at council committee today, but also what's going forward with this and maybe clear some of the air around all the different carts we have and all that kind of thing. So we'll have uh, Ward on as well. We'll finish off the show with a little bit of uh, positive news again. It is... What Cups would argue is Christmas in January. The Calgary Urban Project Society hosting a feast for about 500 low-income Calgarians. Tonight, Carlene Donnelly, the executive director, will join us to talk about what exactly is on the plate tonight, including uh, some servings by Calgary Stampeders members, but also what their focus is going to be heading into the new year. And the key word, resiliency which is a big word nowadays with the current economic situation. But we're going to start things off a little bit political. A lot of talk about the differences between provinces. The question has become, how is Federation working? Well, it's been the keynote to a major presentation put together at the Haskane School of Business by Tim Hearn and Robert Mansell. And I took a flip through this massive um document and to put it into more layman's terms probably enunciated a little better than i can robert mansell will join us in just a couple of minutes this is calgary today on 770 chqr massive massive uh, deck put together at the Haskane School of Business by Tim Hearn and Robert Mansell. And he, Robert Mansell, a research fellow at the School of Public Policy, uh, and he joins us now. Robert, thanks so much for, for the time. Uh, good afternoon. The question that's raised right off the top, how is the Federation working today? And it's a scorecard. How are we scoring? Um, we're, 
Over, overall, uh, it depends on the province that you're in. Uh, I think reasonably well. Uh, if you look at most measures of overall well-being, uh, not a lot of difference among regions. I guess the big difference is that uh, just in terms of the burden uh, associated with redistribution to other regions, uh, that's a bit of an issue. Uh, and perhaps most immediate uh, is stabilization. Um, not a high score on that, uh, and there's a number of elements to that. And not a high score just in terms of enhancing um, overall prosperity by minimizing barriers to interregional movement of goods, services, capital, labor, and so on. Give us a little bit of the, the, I guess, some of the metrics that you guys used in developing the scorecard. Well, first of all, just in terms of the foundations of a well-functioning federation, we talked about having a common set of values, common history, uh, and that's very important. And we didn't really dwell on that. I think there is a strong emotional commitment to Canada uh, in Alberta and and in other regions uh, perhaps with one or two exceptions from time to time. Um, so the real issue is, the, you know, what are the benefits of being a part of the Federation? And uh, our scorecard is really based on five economic goals of a Federation, providing stabilization and insurance to offset the instability associated with regional specialization, which is very important for Alberta, I mean, being specialized in resource production, uh, promoting equity across regions, uh, enhancing overall gains through minimizing barriers, uh, maximizing power leverage in international setting, setting, for example, when you're negotiating a free trade agreement with other nations, and finally, just the sharing of infrastructure costs, including defense spending. So we share that cost, and overall benefit uh, goes to each of the regions from that. So, and we really focused on the first three that I mentioned. I think, generally speaking, people are are reasonably happy with, you know, Alberta's voice in terms of negotiating international agreements and in terms of the sharing of infrastructure costs, although not as much is spent on defense in Alberta as one would hope. Um, overall, I don't think that that is the, the, the big issue when it comes to Albertans that are not particularly happy with the way things are going now in the Federation. Yeah, and, and clearly that's based on uh, equalization payments has certainly been a, a big topic of discussion uh, around the, the water cooler for sure. Well, equalization payments do get the headline, uh, although in the presentation what we emphasize is that it's not a, um, a major part of the issue when it comes to redistribution of income and employment and people from Alberta to other regions through the federal fiscal policies. Um, it's really, it accounts for maybe um, uh, 7% of the total transfer out of Alberta annually. For example, on a net basis, if you look at the total federal revenues collected in Alberta minus all the federal spending that comes back to Alberta in one form or another, that balance is about a plus 20 to 30 billion a year. It's running around 22 billion per year now. If we just looked at how much Alberta is contributing to stabilize to uh, equalization, it's about one and a half billion, something like that. So what people are really missing is a lot of the other things that contribute to this rather large uh, contribution um, to federation, which, by the way, has been very large uh, on a per capita basis. It's about $5,600 per person per year. 
is the net contribution, if you want to look at it that way. So for a family of four, that's about 22000 a year. It's been that high for a long time, um, in part because Alberta also has a very high per capita income, although it's slipped significantly in the last few years. Uh, and a lot of that is, as a result, we pay very high personal taxes, high corporate taxes, and so on to the federal government. Um, but behind uh, that large uh, balance, and by the way, uh, wasn't so much of an issue when, you know, Alberta's economy was doing so well, but when you look at the situation since 2014, uh, it's hard to, it's hard for a lot of Albertans to accept that outsized contribution to the rest of the Canada, the rest of the country, uh, when conditions are not so good. But if you look at, for example, Canada Pension Plan, we pay in a lot more than we ever get back. Certainly that's true of employment insurance. Uh, a GST, excise taxes, we pay a lot more, in part because we spend a lot more. So there's a lot of these other factors, when you add them up, uh, contribute to that uh, very large contribution. And by the looks of the, the graphs I've seen, is, is the personal income tax aspect of it is, is probably the, the biggest one that kind of puts the boots to Albertans, doesn't it? It does, and uh, but the difference, uh, the, the, the biggest issue, I think, is is not the equalization and so on per se. It's really the lack of stabilization. It's the lack of, for example, uh, there is a revenue stabilization policy, um, federal policy. So when a pro- provincial government's revenues drop substantially, that there's some compensation for that. In the case of the existing formula. Um, Alberta's provincial revenues dropped after 2014 by $8 billion. The compensation paid under that formula was $251 million. I mean, it just, it, it's, it's totally out of balance. And so things like that, which would have made a big difference to Albertans, you know, when the uh, energy sector exam, for example, went into a downturn and um, the results spread throughout the province, um, that could be fixed. Just another example of one of the things we point to is uh, an area that needs some some uh, attention. Mm-hmm. When it comes to some of those other areas that may have some fixes to them, did you notice any that were really sticking out? Well, there's some things that uh, potentially are destabilizing. We mentioned Bill C-48 and C-69. Uh, certainly the federal government has full responsibility for interregional trade, and that's one of the areas that most of the participants in the presentation yesterday gave a failing grade to. Mm-hmm. And not surprising, it's not just oil pipelines, it's gas, it's rail congestion, it's a lot of things which uh, have done great damage to the uh, provincial economy. Um, I think just in terms of overall um, issues, competitiveness is a big one. A regulation, um, and I think we need to examine some of the transfers associated with the programs, which are not based on a particular principle. Uh, for example, the health and social transfer benefit or transfer from uh, Ottawa to Alberta is now the same as other provinces, but prior to 2015, Alberta was singled out. It received much less. And again, that's one example. That was done by the Harper government at the end, but uh, fixed by the Harper government at the end. But that's the type of thing that I think needs some attention. There's a lot of those. Um, but, uh, but, but it's not just Ottawa. I think from an Alberta perspective, uh, we have to 
have a more sensible policy in terms of uh, how we use our resource rents. Uh, more of it should be being put in a sovereign fund, in the heritage fund, as a way of evening out the ups and downs. Uh, just imagine if we had have continued to do that uh, going back a number of years now, we'd be sitting on a heritage fund of, you know, $150, $200 billion, and the world would look uh, quite a bit different. <laughs> Um, but there's just lots of examples at the level of provincial governments and, and corporations and individuals where I think we could do a much better job of behaving in a way that's more consistent with kind of the ups and downs that uh, we see associated with the resource-based economy. Robert, I appreciate the time this afternoon. Thanks so much for diving into this one for us. You're welcome. Robert Mansell at the University of Calgary, the School of Public Policy. Uh, how do you feel about the idea of... Here we are with federation. You feel a part of Canada any more or any less than you did say 10, 15, 20 years ago? Let me know. 403-974-8255. We'll be back in a moment. I knew as soon as I asked that question that I get a response right off the bat. Time for Alberta to separate. In case you're just joining me for the first time ever, this is the dumbest idea ever. And here's the reason. I, I get I get the notion, but the realistic aspect of it would state that, A, it's a little more complicated than just saying, hey, we're separating. You got to talk about uh, First Nations. What are you going to do with them? Uh, you got to, you you going to be able to afford what the feds pay into that? Uh, how about interprovincial trade? Uh, all of a sudden, you know, the Trans-Canada Highway, as an example, are we putting a wall on the highway? Uh, and three, kind of the, the big one that we're trying to get the point across on here is we want oil to tide water. If we have no connection to Canada whatsoever, what would make us think that we could get our oil to an ocean? Those are just three of like maybe a dozen I things that are on my mind when any when anybody brings up this idea. Again, I understand the notion. I understand... But were we feeling this five years ago? I would argue the answer is no. So if you want the change, then you've got to, A, you've got to vote. And B, if you don't get your way in the next federal election, which is a very real possibility, then I would argue that you need to take your message elsewhere. To go back to the point that I brought up yesterday about the, 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 the convoys and that is, Clearly not everybody is getting the message by convoying through Alberta. So you need to bring the message to the people of BC and the people to Quebec. Just a couple of thoughts. Let's go to the phone lines, 403-974-8255. Ken, what is on your mind? Hey there, Ken. Hey, I just, uh, I guess your guests, I just tuned in, but I guess your guests have said this, but if we weren't paying $20 billion a year in transfer payments... We'd have four hundred billion dollars in the heritage fund. No, um, yeah. Unlike, and, oh. Norway is a sovereign country, so they only pay themselves. And another uh, point I, I've wondered about, and, and I'm sure there's a, a, just a logical answer, is why can't we uh, uh, pipeline our oil to uh, Thunder Bay and put it on a tanker there? Interesting question. I'd have to do my geography for a second, but that'd uh, that'll take some time. I appreciate the call, Ken. There is a there is a solid point. Now, our guest did say equalization is only a part, and and judging by the numbers, yes, equalization is a big part of it. But personal income taxes is the most 
amount of money that we send over. It's not just the equalization payments that is wrecking us. The Thunder Bay idea is not an awful one. But again, you've still got to get it to a port somewhere. And it doesn't seem as though there's a lot of... I'm going to... I keep saying this. This this word. Vision. When it comes to uh, what other politics... And, and it's actually brought up in this report is... There are a lot of constraints in interprovincial trade, interprovincial, interprovincial transport, transferability of education, professional certifications. We have a hard time, period, when it comes to federation. And it's not just money. Something to keep in mind as we go into federal election campaign talk. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. A lot of talk, garbage at City Hall today as City Committee sitting down and talking about a bunch of different aspects to waste and recycling here in our city. And one of the challenges has been is can you privatize some of it? Can you make it all city run? There's a lot of questions that wanted to be answered. And Councillor Ward Sutherland joins us now on the program. Councillor, thanks so much for the time. Good afternoon, Joe. Thanks for inviting me. What did committee have to say about the report that's been uh, really widely publicized and talked about over the last couple of days? Yes. You know, I've gone through every single page, and it was a very long meeting today, but there were great questions that were asked. And unfortunately, what came out at the end is that uh, there was uh, mostly consensus that there was too many inconsistencies within the report in terms of accuracy and uh, we felt that they they didn't really consult the industry itself and whether or not uh, the numbers that they were claiming that they would save uh, in terms of we thought they were too low and some of the costings that uh, we thought were padded on on certain areas so uh, it, it was it was disappointing actually did you get any reason as to why the report wasn't as thorough as maybe you guys were hoping for they, they said they were using different cities, and I think uh, some of the challenges is when you look at different cities, their way they deliver waste, especially if it's three bends or one bend and all that kind of stuff, is varies throughout uh, Canada. And they should have spent more time, actually, there's associations in that around the area to get more accurate numbers. And there were some just basic contradictions. They, For example, they're saying, well, you know, our efficiencies as a city have gone down. De- you know, our efficiencies are better and our costs have gone down, but we excluded labor costs because we can't control that because it's it's unions. And I'm going, well, why would you exclude those costs? It's the total cost. And if that's a problem, then, may, you know, that that's an issue in itself. So there there, there were too many inconsistencies. Well, and, there, and I understand around the table there is a lot of concern about the, the money spent on the just the report. And then you guys don't get exactly what you were hoping to see at the end of the day. Yeah, I, uh, you're absolutely right, and I think it was a really good lesson to uh, learn that uh, when we're going out to bring these consultants in, we really need a, a, a mandate and a specific outcome that we're asking from the consultant. And uh, so, you know, we have a way to resolve this. This, this isn't over, and I think there's, uh, personally, you know, I've been involved in this for four and a half years, and it's been a struggle getting it out there. Um you know, we have the opportunity now to uh, take the report and sit down with the uh, with the industry, with actually committee members there and the administration, 
and go through the entire report one by one and have the associations give us really accurate data and so we can come back bring it to committee and say you know what this is what's really fleshed out and this is what the concrete savings could be and then given an opportunity for council to decide okay should we contract out one third of the waste or or shouldn't we but there's kind of two factors in here and i I think that's really important Mm -hmm. um even if the cost is let's say they're estimating the cost at $850,000 $850,000 right now, that's even with the 50% variance, which right. is dramatic. So let's say the costs end up, we come back and the costs end up being $2 million savings. Now, in the big scope of thing, that's not big money, but it's $2 million. But I think what is also really important is, do we create a competitive environment if we have one third of it private and the other third being delivered by the city? This way, we can keep everybody in check on the best value for the money for our taxpayers. Well, on the other side of it too is you got to wonder about the the level of service that you're getting out of the cost savings as well. Yes, that that you know that's an important thing that saying is in the report it said, well, because it's private, you know, you're not going to get the same service and I'm going, well, you know, I'm I'm from the private industry all my life and in business and boy, if you don't deliver the service, you lose your business. They're just as concerned as anybody else. So making those kind of assumptions in the report, I I thought, was uh, not accurate at all. Mm -hmm. It's one of those challenges, too, that you have to weigh the different aspects, whether it's recycling versus waste and and who's delivering what. And so it's it's not just as simple as saying, hey, we're going to do privatization on this or not privatization. There's a lot of different factors in this is from what I understand. Yeah, the, the biggest the biggest one, to be honest, is the capital investment for all the vehicles. That's where the true cost comes. So. Mm. Uh, there are cities that have gone fully private and then ran into problems uh, with the fully private. And then you're stuck because now you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in investment. If you do a mixed where you do private and and uh, the city, then you don't have that concern about the capital investment. And in fact, you start freeing up money that perhaps we could use for other things. Councillor, I appreciate the time this afternoon. You're very welcome. You have a great night. You as well. Councillor Ward Sutherland uh, on the Utilities and Corporate Services Committee talking garbage today. They'll get a report back in the middle of next year. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Kind of feels like Christmas out there, doesn't it? A little bit of snow on the ground, so it works perfectly in the eyes of the Calgary Urban Project Society, also known as CUPS. Every January, they host a feast for low-income Calgarians. Executive Director Charlene, uh, Carly, pardon me, Carlene Donnelly, joining us now. Carlene, thanks so much for the time today. My pleasure. It's always great to be able to set our message out in the community and... Uh you are certainly a very gracious host to do so. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to uh, share a little bit of Christmas in January or so. You guys are saying it looks that way, but it also uh, feels that way over a cups. What's happening tonight? Well, we're continuing a longstanding tradition, as uh, you probably heard uh, on the media, particularly this week with Blue Monday and all the advertising about, you know, the reality of getting your credit card statements and your bills and post-Christmas kind of downplay. January's a tough month, and when you're talking about, you know, at CUPS, we see a lot of families and individuals that live in a very, very low income, and in some cases, none at all. Um, January's a tough month, uh, January, February, both, but January after Christmas with all the hype. So many, many years ago, uh, we decided to launch a uh, celebration in January so we could not only re-engage and regroup with people 
uh, but get them to come on in, have a wonderful meal. We called it Christmas in January. And we really uh, did that purposely to really make sure they didn't go into any kind of reclusion or just, you know, get in over their head and things that, um, you know, just open that door to reach out so that if things were going on or January's a tough month, we were keeping that door open for conversations. But it's tonight we're going to continue that tradition and we're having a wonderful meal. It's cooked and catered by the Hyatt Regency in downtown Calgary, a wonderful, wonderful partner of us for a long, long, long time. Um, over 20 years, we've had a wonderful relationship with the Calgary Stampeders. So our player rep, Spencer, and, and many of the Stampeders come on out and they help serve, they mingle, they talk, uh, they play with the kids. So it really is an amazing um, night where we serve a beautiful turkey dinner and we have things to give away, uh, basic need items, clothing, uh, some some small pockets of food and those kind of things. So it's meant to really be that re-engagement for a tough month, but really what it is is an amazing celebration of community, of partners, of teamwork, and, you know, our big mantra here is uh, resiliency for life. So a lot of our programming is around building resilience and uh, resiliency in people and families that have had a lot of trauma in their lives. But really what our relationship with the Stampeders and even with the Hyatt uh, emphasizes is that it takes a team and a community to really make that happen, to build a resilient city. And uh, that's exactly what tonight is meant to do. And that's a, one of the key parts I took away from as I was reading up about it is this is op- almost an opportunity. Everybody talks about the new year and their New Year's resolutions, that kind of thing. Is It's almost that ability to reinvigorate conversations and start new connections and get some new possibilities going forward because sometimes as you mentioned, you get left in the doldrums a little bit and you're kind of uh, stagnated a little bit. You're dead right, Joe. At the end of the day, it's meant to really be that shake off the cobwebs of a, you know, a cold and dark and you know, probably in-debt month. Uh, but to be honest, it's, it's really meant to rejuvenate people and to look at a plan for the year and to let them know we're here, that their community cares, that we're always going to be here as their supports. Some people have family supports, other people have natural supports, the lucky individuals have, that have both. Uh, but really, there's always supports out there, and we want to remind people of that and have a, you know, nothing brings people together like a beautiful meal together. Uh, but uh, it's really that message of we're community, we curb at you, we want to help build resilient cities, and to do that, we want to help people become more resilient. Talk a little bit about that resiliency aspect of it, because I, I feel like we talked a lot about the economy and everything else that's going on in our community. And one of the things that I, I always say is we have a little bit of a chip on our shoulder. It's a good chip um, because we we tend to fight whatever is going on against us, but it, it can be draining. And so it's it's a really important time to be resilient and be able to push forward when times are a little tough. Well, you know, even in, in our overall economy here in, in Calgary and in the city in and of itself, it's been a challenge in three, four plus years, right? So even for the best of us, it's been a it's been a tough go for the last few years. But imagine what it is like to be a family of four that brings in around twenty thousand dollars a year living in this economy with the even the prices of apartments and, and the cost of living and all that kind of you know, stuff that we all have to navigate. Uh, so all of the people that we help that come through our doors are of a very low income or, as I said, no income. And so we we really believe that by lifting up, you know, 
in many ways the, the, the most challenged of our links. We become more resilient overall as a community. I'd imagine it's going to be a great energy at the Cups office tonight for sure. Uh, thank you so much for giving us some insight into what's going on tonight and what you guys have up your sleeve over the next little while here. Well, thank you so much, Dale, for giving us this platform. And at the end of the day, we've uh, pre-ordered snow so that we can really set the stage for Christmas. <laughs> and we're going to have an amazing meal, and we're going to have amazing things to give away. We're going to have a lot of fun, and uh, I thank you for letting us get this message out. Thank you so much for downloading today's podcast. Do me a huge favor and leave a rating and a comment, and you can always hit me up on Twitter as well. Just follow me at Calgary Today. Oh, 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 oh,